Amen. Psalm 42. As the heart pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God, with a voice of joy and praise, with the multitude that kept holy day. Why are you cast down on my soul, and why are you disquieted in me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember you from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calls unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime and in the night. His song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with the sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Stuck. Um, getting stuck really is a universal experience. Some of you will admit to that. Getting stuck is a universal experience. And as we said last week, we never really speak about getting stuck in glowing terms. Nobody is normally really excited about the fact that they're stuck. If you're stuck in traffic, you're not happy about it. If you're, if you're, if you're stuck in an airport, you're not happy about it. And it's the same way in our spiritual lives. We know that getting stuck can be funny and aggravating at the same time, but when we talk about getting stuck spiritually, we have to realize that this is really an important matter that we must consider. We discussed that we need to ask ourselves three questions when we're stuck. Last week, we said there are three questions we want to ask ourselves whenever we get stuck. Number one, where am I? And this is the most important question we will ever ask in our lives. When it comes to moving forward in our spiritual lives, the first question we have to ask ourselves is, where am I? Number two is, how did I get here? And we said uh, the four main reasons why we get stuck is because of pain, past, familiarity, and fear. Whether it's our fault or someone else's fault, it really doesn't matter when you're stuck. How you got here is something that we look at to find out how we can get out. All right? Number three, the third question is, why am I still here? Life happens, and sometimes we can't control that. But we don't have to stay where we are. At the end of the day, no matter where you find yourself or what you're going through, the Bible says that by faith and through the grace of God and the work of the Holy Spirit, you don't have to stay where you are. All of this takes some introspection, an examining of our faith, the Bible says, an examining of our hearts. And this is why, I want you to hear this, this is why. As uncomfortable as being stuck can be, it can be just as uncomfortable to get unstuck. As uncomfortable it is to end up being stuck, it can be just as uncomfortable to get unstuck. Why? Because getting unstuck demands change. And some of us are allergic to change. Some of us, if we have to change something in our life, we break out in a rash. (laughs) 
We've done it this way. I've always done it this way. This is how I've always seen the world. This is how I've always been. This is how it's always going to be. And so when something demands us to change, we look around like, what is happening to my life? It's falling apart. Why? Because we're creatures of habit. Are we not? We are creatures of habit. Some of you guys that have been married for a while, you could tell, you could tell me every step your spouse takes in the morning. This is they get up, they do this first, and they do that, and they do this. This is what time they go to bed. Right? We're creatures of habit. We are fans of the familiar. We are set in our ways. Come on now. I just offended all of you. We are set in our ways. And that's why we complain about stuff that we don't really want to change. We act like we want to change them, but because it's too uncomfortable or because it it's too much work, or because it's too risky, or because it's too inconvenient, we stay with the status quo. Most of us like the status quo because we're safer when we stay with the status quo, even when the status quo stinks, right? It's also easier just to accept things as our lot in life, and this is the attitude that a lot of people have. Well, I've gotten here. I can't get out. I may as well just settle in. And I accept this as my lot in life. Woe is me. And some people even use it to get sympathy. Look at my life. It's a mess. Feel sorry for me. Come on now. I'm going to accept this as my lot in life. And many times it's easier to blame other people. Or to blame our past. Or to blame our background. Or to blame our bad luck. Or to blame how the world is against us. Than it is to look at our own selves. It's easier for us to say, well, that's just my luck. And I've said many times before, I don't know your luck, but I do know your Lord. And your Lord is greater than your luck, whether it's good or bad. But if we want to be free, folks, it has to start with us. We started this year out again by talking about the fact that we want revival, but not just that we want revival, but that I am revival. I am personally revival. And that is a declaration that says, I'm not waiting on someone else to stir me up. I don't need a series of meetings or some type of outside force to get me excited about God. I can have my own personal move of God in my life, my own revival. I can stir myself up. The Bible says it is my responsibility to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. If you want to know where you want to start, you start with yourself. I know a lot of people need to change. I understand that. I know your spouse needs to change. Your kids need to change. Your boss needs to change. Your neighbor needs to change. All your friends need to change. Your bank account needs to change. Everything needs to change. But if anything's going to change in you, it starts with you. Now, I'm not saying that this doesn't mean that we don't rely on grace. This doesn't mean that we don't uh, rely on the work of the Spirit in our lives. We can't do this without grace. We can't do this without the work of the Spirit in our lives. This is not a sermon about saving yourselves by what you do. You can't do that. For a matter of fact, you can't even change yourself necessarily when it comes to spiritual things by your own power and your own might. It is a work of grace. It is a work of the power of the Holy Spirit. But what it does mean is that it starts with me. It starts with me. It doesn't start with the person beside you or behind you or the person that's not here this morning that you think right now they should be here listening to this sermon. 
right? Getting unstuck means that I have to look at my heart, my relationship with God, because that really is where it all begins. And, and let me say this. Prayer and spending time in the Word of God is not some kind of cocktail that you mix together to make your life feel better. I'm not here to tell you that if you pray and read your Bible that everything's going to pop up posies and you're going to skip through daisies all the way to heaven. It's not going to happen. For a matter of fact, if you set your heart to pray and you set your heart to the Word of God, the enemy's only going to intensify his attack. Sometimes, as you make decisions to move towards God, it seems like God gets farther away because the enemy recognizes that. We've got to get tough, folks. We've got to get some stuff down on the inside of us that says, I'm not going to stop just because an obstacle comes along. I'm not going to stop just because it seems like it's not going my way. I'm going to pursue God for the sake of pursuing God. I don't need a reason to pursue God. He's God. So I'm going to pursue him. But it does start with a heart that says, I'm going to move forward from where I am, no matter how I got here. And I'm going to quit making excuses for it. Change doesn't happen until we stop talking about it and start doing something. And many times that doing something that we need to do is just trust God. That doing something that is, is just letting go and letting God have control of surrendering ourselves to his purpose and his plan for our lives. There's a few things I want to share with you this morning about how we get unstuck. Number one, it starts with transparency. This is the first and probably the hardest because in order to be transparent, we have to be honest and we have to be vulnerable. And we're not used to those kinds of things. Now, I'm not saying you're not used to being honest. I'm not calling everybody in here a liar. But the fact of the matter is, every single one of us have an outward persona that people know us by. We have an outward look about us that everyone knows and they see you and they see how you react and they know how you are but in many cases they don't know you right there's a lot of people in our lives that don't know us even though they know us but when we are honest with ourselves and honest with God that makes us transparent before him and see transparency always defeats fakeness transparency always exposes hypocrisy Here is the power and the problem with hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, most of the time, when it's in our lives, we don't recognize it. And that's the danger of being a hypocrite. The danger of being a hypocrite is not just that we say one thing and do another, but the fact that we don't even recognize in our own life that something is missing. We talked last week about the fact that we are people of self-preservation. It is our desire to protect ourselves. We want to protect our reputation. And in order to protect our reputation, many times we've got to put on a face that's just not real and we start living fake. Listen, church, the Bible says that the strength of sin is the law. In other words, the law reveals to us our sin. It shows us our sin and it shows us why we need to repent. And the more we see the law, the more we see our sin magnified. The Bible says my sin actually is magnified by the law. That's also telling us that no matter how many good works we do, our sin will continue to get bigger. For a matter of fact, the more you try to overcome sin in yourself, the more you get slopped up in the mess. The only way you can overcome sin is by the grace of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why we need saved, right? The strength of sin is in the law, but sin finds its powerful influence over our lives in its hiddenness. 
As long as we can keep sin hidden, it controls us. Remember this, whatever you keep in the dark will always control you. Whatever you keep in the dark will control you. And this is why transparency frees us while at the same time scares us. Because transparency does not allow us to hide. We cannot always be guarded and be transparent at the same time. The Bible says that if we follow Jesus, we're following truth. And truth brings light. And the brighter the light becomes, the less places we have to hide. Why do men love darkness rather than light? Because their deeds are evil. Most people don't rob a house at noon with everybody home. They do it in the cover of darkness because darkness hides the things that we don't want seen. And so if we want to get unstuck, we've got to learn to be honest with God and honest with ourselves. This psalmist had no problem expressing his despondency. He had no problem expressing the problems that he was going through. God, where are you? Where is my God? I remember when I used to experience this. Do you hear that in the psalm? He even says, as a deer is panting after water, my soul pants after you. But instead, people are saying, where's God? Where's my God? Where are you? Anybody ever felt that way? He says, my tears have been my meat day and night. Crying during the day, crying at night. Some of you have been through that. Some of you are going through that. The psalmist was not afraid to be transparent, and that is always the first step to being free. There has to come a time in our lives, folks, where we give up being fake, where we give up putting on the show. We not only have to learn to be honest with God and ourselves, we have to learn to be honest with others. We have to learn to be accountable. The Bible says, confess your faults one to another that you may be what? Healed. That you may be healed. We could change healed with unstuck. Confess your faults one to another that you may get unstuck. There's, there is no getting unstuck, folks, if we're not willing to be honest with where we are, how we got here, and why we're still here. Until we are honest with the fact of where we are, how we got here, and why we're still here, then we're never going to be free. Transparency is powerful, it's scary, but it's the first step to freedom. Number two, revel in God's love. If you want to get unstuck, then revel in God's love. The Bible tells us that God is love, right? And the Bible tells us that God loves us. Did y'all know that? Does everybody know that in here? That the Bible says that you are loved by God. But it doesn't always feel that way, but it doesn't change the truth. I want everybody to know in here this morning, it doesn't matter how you feel. There is no shame, no condemnation, no mistake, no sin, no act of disobedience that robs you from God's love. God loves you in spite of yourself. So what the Bible's telling us is rest in his mercy and celebrate his lavish grace. See, I'm telling you, folks, honestly, if you preach the message of grace correctly, people, there are always going to be people who say, that's too easy. It can't be that amazing. 
If we really preach grace as powerful as the Bible says it is, there's always going to be somebody coming along and says, well, you're just saying you can live any way you want. Right? There's always someone going to say that. Paul even anticipated that in Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall you who are dead to sin live any longer therein? Paul was already expecting the argument. I know I'm telling you about a grace that is amazing. I'm telling you about a grace that reaches out to rebel sinners and makes them children of God. A grace that reaches out to an enemy of of the cross and brings them into the covenants of promise and pours upon them blessings that they do not deserve nor will they ever deserve. That's too easy. But it's the truth. It is the truth, folks. And we can revel in this love. We can revel in this amazing grace and mercy. We have all sinned. We have all felt distant from God. We have all went through dry times in our lives. We have all missed it. But run to the love of God. It has not dissipated. It has not changed. It has not waned in the least. The God who gave himself on the cross is the same God committed to your transformation, to your change, to your growth, to your hope, to your healing. God is not against you. He is for you. I know you may have sinned and it brought you to this place. I know you may have made a bad decision and it brought you to this place. But welcome to the reason why you need grace. Welcome to the reason why he lavishes his love on you. The Bible says in this psalm, he commands his loving kindness in the daytime. And his song is with you in the night. Why? Because of grace Because of his amazing love that goes beyond anything we could ever imagine. Folks, there is confidence in love. There is hope in love. Love, the Bible says, casts out all fear. It casts out all shame, all inadequacies, all discouragement is cast out by love. Listen to me this morning. I don't care where you are or what you've done or how it got you where you are. You are loved by God. Revel in it. Revel in the amazing, relentless pursuit of God's love for your heart. If you're going to get unstuck, folks, don't start with the wrath of God. Start with the love of God. Don't come to God thinking that he's mad at you or doesn't want you or can't work in your life. He is in love with you. Revel in that love. Number three, we're going to, first we're going to be transparent. We're going to revel in God's love. If we're going to get unstuck, thirdly, we've got to praise God where you are. Now, see, this can be strange and hard all at the same time because, you know, you may be stuck because of what you did. And, and again, most of the time when you're, you're stuck, nobody says, I'm stuck in a good place. You ever heard that? Man, I'm stuck here on vacation. Right? I'm stuck on the beach here. I don't know, I don't know how I'm going to get away. Right, yeah, I'm sure you're worried about it. Nobody's stuck in a good place. We're always stuck in a bad place. And if we're stuck, it doesn't make sense for us to praise God, especially when we got there because of something we did. Maybe it was our sin that got us there. Maybe it was our own disobedience, our own bad choice, bad decision that brought us to the place where we are. Now we find ourselves stuck, and we think that because it's my fault, then I should just sit around and and wallow in my shame. 
I should sit around and wallow in my self-pity. I should wallow in condemnation. God doesn't love me anymore, right? You go back to number two, you revel in God's love, and then number three, you praise him. Why? Because he loves you. See, here's the thing. When, when we get into a place, even when we don't want to be, and maybe, the, again, maybe you're in that place and it's not your fault. Maybe it was somebody else's fault. Maybe somebody did something to you. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've gone through some heartache. Maybe you were wounded. Maybe you were abused. Maybe you went through a divorce and you didn't, you didn't want that divorce. And find, now you find yourself in a stuck place spiritually and you don't feel like you can grow. And many times it's easy for us to just sit back and say, I've made too many mistakes and I've messed up. But... No matter what has happened to you, whether it was your fault, someone else's fault, or whether the universe is against you, it doesn't change who God is. We've got to get that down in our hearts, folks. It, it, it really, no matter where we are in life, and no matter who we are and what we have done, it does not change God. It doesn't change who he is. So first of all, let's get it down in our hearts. God is worthy of our praise, whether we feel good or feel bad, whether we're in a stuck place or we're unstuck, whether we're free or we're in bondage. God is worthy of our praise. The universe was created to bring him glory, and if the stars will praise him, so will I. So first of all, God is always worthy of our praise. Secondly, we have to realize that God is not surprised by your stuckness. God is not surprised about where you are and how you got there and how long you have been there. And we have to recognize that God can still work his purpose in our lives even when we are trapped, even when we are stuck, even when we feel like we're in a dry time spiritually. God can still work his purpose in our lives. Some of us Stay where we are because we're too busy complaining about it instead of praising God for his purpose and grace. Can I move on from that one? Did y'all get that? Write it down. Look at the person beside you and tell them you're there because you won't stop complaining. Don't do that. I'm just kidding. In reality, many times we miss out on the blessings of God because we're just not grateful for what we've already got. It is good. It is good many times to remember and rehearse God's faithfulness in our lives. The problem is, is that we remember and rehearse the wrong things. We spend time remembering and rehearsing all the failures and the mistakes and the mess-ups and the sins and the disobedience when we should be remembering and rehearsing the fact that God is faithful, that God is good, that God brought us through one time and he brought us through a second time and he brought us through a third time. And guess what? He's going to bring you through a fourth time and a fifth time because God is good, God is faithful, God loves you, and his word does not change. Praise changes your perspective. You may not always be able to change your circumstances or where you find yourself, but you can change how you look at it. You can change how you look at it. And so as you revel in God's love, praise him. Because there are some times in your life that you got to praise your way out. When Paul and Silas were in jail, how many of you would consider that being stuck? Huh? Nobody gets on Travago or Priceline and looks for the cheapest prison to go to. Paul was in prison. It wasn't his fault. He didn't do anything except preach the gospel. He did nothing but obey God, and he ended up in prison with Paul and Silas. And what did they do? They whined and cried all night long, didn't they? No. They started singing songs at midnight. They started singing praises, and a miracle happens, and the chains fall off, and doors open. The jailer's about to kill himself. Paul preaches a short sermon of about eight words, and him and his whole house get saved. 
Why? Because sometimes you got to praise your way out of your situation. Sometimes you got to praise your way through the situation. I know that where you are may not be the best, and it may not be a place that you want to be, but God is still God, still worthy of our praise, still worthy of our worship, and it takes some strategy, it takes some hope, it takes some faith, it takes some guts to praise God in the middle of the battle. So revel in God's love and praise him. There's two more I want to share with you. Number four, get out of feeling and get into faith. As long as we live our lives and make decisions based on how we feel, we're always going to end up stuck. I want to say that again. As long as we live our lives and make decisions based on how we feel, we're always going to end up stuck. Feelings are like the weather. Come on now. And how many of you are looking at our weather? I don't want to trust it at all. It won't make up its mind. Mother Nature has gone nuts. Weather changes. Circumstances changes. Feelings change. But faith is grounded on the unchanging nature of God and His Word. See, faith is not based upon something that is changing or shifting or evolving with the times. Our faith is resting on the very nature of God that does not change. I am the Lord, Malachi says, and I change not. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, Hebrews 13 tells us. And so we recognize that when we place our faith in God, we're not placing our faith on shifting sand. We're placing our faith on a solid rock. See, we say things like, we should never make a decision while we're angry. How many of you would agree with that? We really shouldn't make a decision while we're angry. We shouldn't punish our kids while we're at number 10, right? We need to calm down, take a few steps back, breathe, and then do what you have to do. It doesn't mean that you don't have to be, that you're not allowed to be angry, but you don't make decisions based on how you feel. How many of you know it's not a good idea to go to the grocery store when you're hungry? You come out of the grocery store poor. I need all of this. I need 12 boxes. I had a roommate one time when I was in Bible college that always looked for deals. He was always looking for a deal. So he comes home one day with six boxes of Cheerios. He was like, you buy four, you got two free. I'm like, they're going to be green by the time you get to box six. He came home one day, he had about 10 pounds of hamburger. I think he brought it in in a wheelbarrow. It was on sale. Puts it in the freezer, pulls the 10 pounds of hamburger out, thaws it out, patties out one hamburger, wraps it up and puts it back in the freezer. I said, Cal, you can't do that, buddy. You're going to die. You can't, you can't thaw it and then freeze it back. You just welcomed in every E. coli you can think of. You're dead. Can I have your room? Essentially, you don't go to the grocery store. You don't make decisions based on feelings. And the same thing goes with happiness. Folks, happiness is never a means to an end. And being happy is really never a reason to decide anything. And I know that blows a lot of people away because that really is the theme of everything in life. As long as you're happy. 
well, meth makes meth addicts happy. So we just, well, as long as you're happy. As long as I'm happy, because happiness is based on feelings. It's based on things that change. Happiness changes with the circumstances. Our anger changes with the circumstances. Our hunger changes, right? So anytime you base decisions on feeling, you always end up stuck. And I know that if you are stuck, you're not happy, and you probably are angry, frustrated, aggravated. And when you're, when you're not happy and when you're frustrated and you're aggravated, you lash out at other people. You start talking in ways you don't normally talk. You start thinking in ways you don't normally think. You allow depression and discouragement to enter into your heart because now you're basing it upon how you feel. But I know how you feel in this stuck place is no good, but this absolutely has nothing to do with faith. The psalmist said, Hope in God, He is the strength of my life. Getting unstuck starts and ends with the Word of God. We must dig deep and find ourselves on the rock of God's promises even when the outside is a mess. we got to believe that God is working in our lives even when our circumstances tell us you should be mad. You should be frustrated. You should give up on God. You should quit going to church. You should quit reading your Bible. You should quit praying. Faith says, bring it on. I'm going to chase after God with everything i got because I believe he wants the best for my life. How many of you ever been stuck in an airport? Do people like, do you like being stuck in an airport? I don't like being stuck in an airport. A friend of mine, we were coming from Columbus or coming from California, and we, were, we got stuck. We didn't really get stuck. They, they called our name up and said, hey, we're a little overbooked. Uh, would you be willing to give up your two seats for this voucher? Each one of us got a voucher. Neither one of us really needed to get home. We're like, are you going to give us a hotel room? Here's a voucher. You got a hotel room. All right, I'll take it. That's fine. Actually, this was in Dallas. Well, then they called us back up and said, hey, uh, we can give you two seats by the, the door, which gives you more leg room if you want to get on this flight. I'm like, that's fine. We'll take those two seats. So we're still sitting out there. Ten minutes later, they call our names again. So we walk up. Hey, we need those two seats again. Are you willing to take the voucher? The voucher was doubled this time. Okay, we'll take it, right? So we're all prepared to head towards a hotel. They call our names up again. They said, man, we're sorry that we put you through all this. Here are two first-class tickets from Dallas to Charleston. said, I'm in, baby. I'm in. First time I've ever flown first class. The only time I've ever flown first class. It was like living in a recliner, you know, flying. You know, we could have complained about getting stuck. And at the end of the day, God worked it out. We got home on time, and I got to fly first class. Folks, if you'll trust God, if you'll believe God, he'll fly you first class right out of your stuck situation. He'll, he'll put you in first class. It may take a while. You may feel like I'm never going to get out of this airport, but you're flying first class. Amen. The last one we've got to do, and it's the simple step of obey. This is where it has to take us. No matter where we are or how we got there, we have to obey God to get to the next step. Obedience is really the key to every blessing, and it is the only thing that we have ever really been called to do. Yes, we've been called to worship, called to praise, called to pray, called, but all of these are acts of what? Obedience. 
All of these are acts of obedience. We have been called to obey. I've not, been, I've not even been called to produce the results. That's God's job. I don't have to work it out so it will fit how I want it to work. God does all that stuff. God takes care of the things. The Bible says that some plant, some water, God gives the increase. If I obey God, he'll give an increase. And sometimes, as Eugene Peterson called it, it's a long walk of obedience. It's not just one act of obedience here and one act of obedience here. It's a daily walk with God in obedience to his word, to his purpose, to his will for our lives. I want you to, I want you to hear this. Service determines season. In other words, wherever you find yourself, this too will pass. Every season changes. But our obedient service always leads us to the next season. For a matter of fact, we can get stuck in a season longer than we're supposed to because we're not obeying, because we're not serving. Many times when we get in a season that we don't like, and this goes back to praising God, we get in a season that we don't like, what we do is we sit down. I don't like where I am. I don't like how I feel. I don't like what I'm going through. I'm ashamed because maybe it was my fault. Here I am stuck in this place. And so what do we do? We fold our hands and we sit down. Whether it's because of pain or our past or we're too familiar or we have forgotten what God has done in our lives or whether we're wrapped up in fear, we get stuck in that situation and we don't do anything. Service determines your season. If you find yourself in a place you don't like, find a place to serve. If you don't like how you feel, find a place to serve. You feel like you're, a, you're in failure, get up in the grace of God and serve the Lord with everything you've got. You want to make the devil mad? Get up and serve. Get up and serve even when you're in a mess. Get up and obey God even when your life feels like it's falling apart. Even when you're afraid. Even when you have failed and made a mistake. You should be ashamed of yourself. Get up and serve. We can stay stuck longer if we stay disobedient. Learning to trust God and obeying him will always free you. Always free you. Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I can promise you this much. If you will learn to trust God and you will obey him, God will take care of the rest. In the little things in life, and again, we're not just talking about obeying God and, and following our calling like Ramon talked to us about. We have all been called to be evangelists wherever we find ourselves. We've all been called to be a light wherever we find ourselves. We've all been called to love God, love people, and bring the two together. Every single one of us have been called to do that. We've all been called to praise. We've all been called to pray. We've all been called to read our word and worship and fellowship with other believers. We've all been called to share our faith. It is these simple acts of obedience that brings us to our next season. Do you, think, do you think that God was lost when the Israelites wandered around the desert for 40 years? Do you think God accidentally gave them the wrong map? Here, I'm going to give you a map to the promised land. This is Albania, God. How am I supposed to find the promised land? God wasn't lost, but their disobedience, their lack of faith, their complaining kept them trapped in the wilderness for 40 
years. You don't have to stay stuck for 40 years. You don't have to stay stuck for 40 years. You know how you get through the test? You pass it. <laughs> you can't get through the test till you pass it. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you've seen the test three times. Come on now. Some of us went to summer school because those three times still didn't work. We've missed it. We, how do you get past the test? You pass the test. And so there are times in our lives where we have to step up and obey God. I want to challenge every one of you in here this morning. Don't allow these words to just fall to the ground. Pick up the word of God and pick up God's grace and recognize that you don't have to stay where you are. You can be on fire. You can be a revival. One man, one woman revival. Full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And walking in the grace of God. You don't have to stay stuck. There is freedom available for everyone who will believe if you will trust the grace of God. Do you know that God is good? Do you know that God loves you? Do you know that God is for you? Then you don't have to stay stuck. Why don't you bow your heads with me this morning? Father, how grateful we are that you are committed to us and you are committed to our total transformation. Lord, we know that that you take sin seriously. The cross shows us how horrific sin is. The cross shows us how scary and damaging sin is. But the cross also shows us how amazing your love is, how amazing your grace is, that even while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That even when we were enemies of the cross, you reached out for us, you rescued us, you saved us. And today, we will revel in that love We will revel in that grace. We will revel in that goodness. And we will believe that we can be free and walk in freedom in the name of Jesus. If you keep your head bowed and your eyes closed for just a moment, we're going to sing a song here in in a second. Uh, We'll spend a little bit of time uh, just to worship the Lord in this service, in His his presence. But I want to challenge every one of you here this morning. I I don't know where you are. If you're in this building today and you don't know Jesus, you don't have a relationship with Christ, maybe at one time in your life you had a real relationship with him, but something has happened and and you feel broken on the inside, you feel lost, you feel uncertain about who you are and where you are, I just want you to know that you can be found by the Spirit, that you don't have to stay lost, you don't have to stay broken, you don't have to stay in darkness. There is light and freedom in the light So I'm asking you right now in Jesus' name, would you consider where you stand with God? Don't leave this place today uncertain of your eternal destiny. Don't leave this place today without doing business with God. Christian, if you're in this room today and you're saying, Mark, I feel stuck. I feel stuck in places in my life and I don't know how to get out. I feel stuck in my spiritual growth. I'm stuck in discouragement. I'm stuck in depression. I'm stuck in fear. I'm stuck in my past. I'm stuck in my heartache and my pain, and I'm having trouble growing. I'm stuck because I sinned. I I committed sin, and now I I can't seem to get out of this shame. I just want you to know this morning that God's love is reaching to you, that there is grace for your situation. Maybe you're sitting there, and you're saying, gosh, I haven't felt God in a long time. Let's pray. Maybe you've sitting there thinking, man, it just seems like nothing ever seems to be going for you. Let's pray. I'm going to open this altar in just a moment as we sing the song, and 
I'm going to ask that you would be obedient to the Holy Spirit. It all starts right there. You have to be honest with God and then obey God in your transparency. You have to obey God and not live, continue to live fake. Stop putting on a show. Stop putting on a face. You don't have to. You can be free by the grace of God.